welcome to Prosperity and Possibilities, where we'll be sharing tips with you that you can use to recognize the possibilities in your life that can grow your prosperity, which means your joy and your wealth. Because wealth without joy is not prosperity. Most of you are just getting to know me. Some of you haven't met me before. And the purpose of this episode is to actually share with you my story, which is my why behind what I do. And if you're interested, stick around and listen to it all. If you're not, that's fine. I won't be offended. So we're going to go back in time. Let's go back to when I finished university. Day after I graduated, I hopped on a plane to London, England by myself for a student work abroad program so I could experience the culture in England and head up to Scotland for a little while, visit some relatives. I was really happy to be going, but I did have a boyfriend I had been dating for six months who I was leaving for two months. And I had asked him, do you want to break up before I go? And he said, no. And I was thrilled because he hadn't really seemed like he was that into me. Well, when I got back two months later, I went to see him and spent a few hours with him. And then four days later, he dumped me. <laughs> I'd never been dumped before. Uh, my self-esteem did not take it well. It was devastating, to say the least. And I denied it. I have a habit of being like Scarlett O'Hara with Gone with the Wind, you know, oh, I can't think about that now. If I think about that now, I'll go crazy. <sighs> I'll think about that tomorrow. Well, that's me. When something goes wrong, I'll think about it tomorrow. Now, I will say it has been a coping mechanism that got me through a great deal of my life, which I will discuss here in a second. But it's not the best thing to deny your emotions. There's a book called Feelings Buried Alive, Never Die. Yeah, it's, you're not supposed to do it. So what I did is that summer I met a guy and the end of October we started dating. He was very attentive, very nice, but there were warning signs. I had dated a guy in high school who was very possessive and insecure to the point where he'd be like, what you looking at him for? So I ended up walking around high school with my head down because I didn't want him giving me a hard time. I don't like it when people are nasty to me. I don't like conflict. I like people being friendly. Basically, if you're friendly to me, I'll be friendly to you. If you're nasty to me, I don't want to be around you. So <laughs> the warning signs were there, but I ignored them. And I married him two months later, the end of December. Yeah, stupid move. I was naive and I had a habit also of trying to figure everything out on my own. So not asking people who knew better, who had been there, done that for advice. I would just try and do it all by myself. Obviously, should have gotten a bit more advice. I was working at Price Waterhouse at the time in Halifax, which is a city in Nova Scotia. It's a little over two hours away from where I grew up and he lives another half hour farther than that away, like how far away from where I grew up. And he had a house there. So I quit my job with Pricewaterhouse where I was becoming an accountant, which had been my plan for the whole four years of university that I did. And I moved in with him the end of February. And when I moved in with him, it was like somebody just 
flicked the switch and he went from Mr. Jekyll, uh, sorry, Mr. Hyde to Dr. Jekyll. Did I have that right? Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Uh, Mr. Hyde, Dr. <laughs> it was like someone flipped a switch and he went from nice guy to nasty. Kind of like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, Mr. Hyde, Dr. Jekyll, whichever that is. <laughs> he changed significantly. It was his house, his rules, his stuff. My self-esteem was on the rocks and it stayed there for over a year. Obviously, he wasn't doing anything to bring it up. He would look at me and literally say, if you don't like it, leave. And I was so confused because I was married. I was 22. He was 33. So he was more experienced and he knew he had experience in relationships where he had used his temper to control people before. I didn't know that. I found out, found out a lot of things, a lot of things I didn't like. But again, I was too naive and then eventually became just too scared to leave him. And I denied it the whole time I was married to him. And I was married to him just under 25 years. Yeah, long time to be in denial, which I was. So in that time, we, I had two children. Yeah, he was the father, but I had two children. I raised two children. I became an accountant. I did do that in 2002. I became a financial advisor in 2012 with Investors Group. I had my own business. I was an entrepreneur pretty well my whole life. I did have jobs as well, but they were always jobs where I could set my own hours because being around my children and raising them was more important to me than building up money in the bank account. I knew I have the knowledge and the skills that I could make money afterward. So I didn't really worry about it. I just made do. I hid that fact though. It's something that's a little embarrassing when you're an accountant and financial advisor, if you are actually broke, which I was beyond broke. I was severely in debt because all the bills that came in, he handed them to me because he was really good at digging holes of debt. And I was really determined to fill them in. And that's not really a great combination. Yes, I learned later that that was my choice and I could have just said no. And then he would have had to step up and do something. And he would have, but that again, never occurred to me. <sighs> when you're under a lot of stress, a lot of things don't occur to you. And if you don't understand what I'm talking about and you think, well, <laughs> That's just stupid. If you're scared of somebody, get away from them. You obviously have not experienced this sort of thing. And I'm very, very happy for you. Unfortunately, there are far too many of you out there who know exactly what I'm talking about. And you understand. And I'm sorry that you do. But I'm also grateful that you do. 2015 was coming. And I was positive he was going to die. Now he had been saying for years, oh, I don't think I'm going to live very long. I'm, I don't think I'm very healthy. And I honestly was just like, oh, I wish you'd hurry up. It's not a nice thing to say, but there are a lot of people who think that way because these people are too scary to leave. You know, they will not leave you alone afterward. It's going to be a nightmare that is just going to be so hard to go through. It gives, it gives me a knot in my stomach just 
thinking about how bad it could be. So anyway, 2015, I was sure he was going to die. I do have some talents, abilities. I just know things sometimes. And I was at a friend's house in February, and she actually is a psychic medium. Very gifted, very gifted. Now, if you know anything about someone who is a good psychic, if they're looking for messages for you, they will always ask, what do I need? To, what do you need to know that for your greatest and highest good? And the message that she got to tell me was, he's not going to die. I was pissed. Yeah, I had some choice words. And then I was like, okay, something's going to change. I can't, I can't, I cannot, I will not make it to a 25th anniversary married to him. I just, I will not go through more of my life like this. It had been more than half my life at that point, And I just, I was done. I, my son told me at later on in the year that he had never seen me as assertive as I was those next three months. It was like words were being given to me to say, because I always had to watch what I said, always had to watch it. Because if I would get angry, he'd get angrier. If it, he would just twist it and it, it, it could get really scary. Um, so I watched what I said because I didn't want to trip him up, set him off and these words were given to me where I was actually standing up to him, but it wasn't triggering him, which was really surprising. Then June came and he was being a shit. I'm sorry. That's just what he was. He was trying to get a rise out of me all day. He started, he knew I needed the car. We only had one car at that point. He knew I needed the car the next day for an appointment I had. So he, told, he comes in and he says, I'm going to go visit Wayne. Well, Wayne lives eight hours away at the other end of the province. And he figured I'd get upset because I needed the car the next day. And he, it clearly wasn't going to be there. Fine. Go. Not the answer he was looking for. I thought you needed the car tomorrow. I do. Well, what are you going to do? I don't know. Maybe I'll call mom and dad. I'll see if I can borrow theirs. And he left. A few hours later, he came back. Said some more things to try and tick me out. Still just, I'd, I'd, I'd had way, I, 25 years worth of drama. I'd had enough. And then he came back again. He was in and out all day, just trying to irritate me. And I was cooking supper. And he came in and he looks at me. He says, so how are you getting your mom's car tomorrow? Um, not. Yeah. Well, how are you getting to your appointment? I'm taking our car. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. And he walked away. So I followed him into the other room. And he was sitting down, watching TV on. And he's like, I, I don't remember what was said. But then he just looks at me and he goes, what you can do? Leave me? Now, he has said that to me through our whole relationship because he knew I was too intimidated to leave. And something just snapped. And I looked at him 
yeah, yeah, I am. And I went back to the kitchen because I was hungry. <laughs> I was going to cook my food. And he followed me into the kitchen. Thought you were leaving. I am. Well, if you're leaving, get out. Why are you still here? I'm hungry. No, if you want to leave, go now. Fine. And I called my friend and she brought her SUV over and I went upstairs and I told my son, get all your important stuff together because I don't know if we'll be coming back to get anything again. We're leaving. I called my mom. Dominic and I are coming. Okay. And I started gathering up and packing. My son started packing. It took a little while because I had client files and things that I had to take with me. Those were what I packed first, actually. And then we had to load up her SUV. We had her SUV full. In the meantime, he was wandering around crying and begging me to stay. And my friend was sitting on the bed listening for the gun safes to open. I didn't know that at the time. Um, my son, too, was worried. I was just pissed. I was leaving. That was it. I was done. That was a hard week. A very hard week. <sighs> Have you ever taken a bottle of champagne and shaken it and then popped the cover, the, the, the top? When you're shaking that, that's what a woman's like when she's being abused mentally. And when that top pops, that's what happens when she leaves. She's been holding all of that in. If you ever think that an abused woman is a weak woman, I got news for you. They're some of the strongest women around because we live through it. We hold it together. We raise our kids. We put on a smiling face. We go through life with our little happy bubble. Yes, I had a happy bubble. Try not to poke my happy bubble. Now it's, no, it's not a bubble. It's everywhere. I'm very happy. But we left. That week, I still had him calling me every day. I would go down every day and get stuff from the house because he was still sort of playing nice. He was trying to get me back. So he was alternating between trying to be really nice and then threatening to put naked pictures of me all over the internet or making up stories to tell the SEC to try and make me lose my job forever. Like he was, he, he was just grasping at anything he could to try and make me stay. And I still had to work because just because you leave a 25 year abusive relationship doesn't mean you need time off work. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. I broke down in tears at a client's house that week that I had never met before because I was so stressed. But every day I'd get stuff. And on that Saturday, June 20th, I took my mom's car, mom and dad's car and their trailer. And I went down to the house. Now, I told you I have some gifts. I didn't even realize I was doing it at the time. But as I was driving down, I was calling in guides, angels, anything for protection. Everybody that's with me, come with me, protect me. So it was probably nine o'clock or so, maybe a little later, I got down there. It was, like I said, half hour away from my parents' place. And he was still trying sympathy stuff. He helped me carry a bureau out and there was, I was making trips in and out to put stuff on the trailer. And when I came in one time, he was standing in the kitchen, leaning against the counter. And I don't remember what he said, but it was one of those 
poor, pitiful me things that I had been hearing for 25 years. Okay, this was not anything new. None of this was new. This is all stuff he had always done. And I turned around and I looked at him. And I said, Mike, you're not going to do anything. And I went upstairs. Now, the only reason I said that is because I distinctly remember one of my friends telling me he will not do anything to harm himself. She says she would never say that to me because in all the years that I was with him, she not once, never once said, leave him because she, her husband, who's military, who knows like dangerous personality types, told her have, she, she can't leave. If she leaves him, he'll kill her. So I had no fear saying that to him. And then I went upstairs and five minutes later, he showed up in the doorway and I, I turned around and I looked at him and he reached out his hand and handed me a piece of paper. And he was literally just like this and I took it, that's how close he was. And then he said, I just want you to see what you, and I think the last word was caused, but I don't know because I was in shock at that point because that's when I saw the 22. It was, I just want you to see what you, and I think he said caused, and he just went like that and he looked surprised and there was a drop of splatter blood on his leg and he collapsed. And I jumped over him and I started to run and I turned around and looked back because I did not know that he had actually done it. To me, the question in my head is, did he just fake that? Now, that is a very good indicator of the shit that I put up with for 25 years. And keep in mind, I was in denial that I had ever been mentally abused because I was a strong, educated woman. Yes, he controlled me with his temper. Yes, I always had to weigh the options of is it worth the crap I'm going to get if I want to do that. But if I really wanted to do it, I could do it. So obviously not mentally abused. I, Yeah. When I looked back, there was like a bruise the size of the pad of my finger right here. That's what it looked like. So I turned back and I went to run for one phone, but it wasn't there anymore. And then I realized my cell phone was in my hand and I started dialing 911 as I ran down to the kitchen and I crouched down by the cupboards. And the person on the phone was obviously not experienced at their job because they wanted me to go back and check and see if he had a pulse. They also called the fire department and they're not supposed to be first responders if there's a gun involved, but... I actually, because I was told to do it and I was used to following orders, I started to go back. And as I got to the stairs and I started to go up, I said, do I have to? And they said, no. And I ran out the door and I sat on that back deck with the person on the phone just crying while I waited. And I swear it was at least 10 minutes because they're volunteer firefighters. They got there first. I think the police only got there a half hour later. And the ambulance was there not long after the firefighters. So one of the firefighters was a neighbor and he sat there with his arm around me until I had to go to the police car. So for like 20 minutes, he sat there and held me while I sobbed. Fortunately, he got me Kleenex too, because <laughs> I was a mess. They, 
people were in and out. The the EMTs looked so young, the the ambulance people. And I looked at them and I said, are you going to get counseling for what you saw? Because I was fine. I was fine. This was nothing. This was another day. But them, this is probably not normal for them. They, they should get counseling. <laughs> so anyway, um, I did end up going to the police car afterward. And then I remember the note. <laughs> Were you wondering about the note? It's actually the passwords to the safes. Like I said, he had 40 guns. Um, so there were a couple gun safes. There were other safes. There was just passwords. And at the bottom, I, I think he said something like, I love you or something. And because as much as these people that are narcissists are nasty, there's enough good in them. That especially empaths like myself, we see it. We see the, the wounded child and we don't want to hurt them because we feel other people's pain and other people's suffering. And it's part of the reason we end up staying there so long. They're just nice enough and we see their potential. Although someone did tell me afterwards, Anki Arts told me, just because you see the potential in someone doesn't mean they have any intention of ever living up to it. Weird as that sounds, I never thought of that because I always try to be my best. So, I did not know I was in shock. Um, I ended up going over to my friend's house and a friend brought my mother down. We got the car and my friend who is the medium, she kept hearing Mike all day saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, I'm sorry. But uh, I called work. They put me off work like this. No, you can't work anymore. Well, thank God. But that's one of my pet peeves is like people, I, I, the trauma of the 25 years was the problem. That day was another trauma. I'll say that again. That day was another trauma, just like the traumas I had been living through for 25 years. One of the counselors I spoke with after that, he was an elderly guy, gray hair, like, and I know psychiatrists, he is one, were trained not to react when people tell them things. And I told him one story and he flinched. He couldn't hide it. <laughs> the first counselor I saw and my family doctor both told me I would have nightmares about that. I did not have one nightmare at all. I have had multiple nightmares about him being alive, about him chasing me. In fact, I had one last night. This is 2021 October that happened 2015 in June I realized I was in shock that September and by that October I had begun to realize I had been severely mentally abused and I started admitting that to people and it's only been in the last couple of years I've really been starting to open up and share this story with other people specifically in the last year online. So life got way easier. I was blessed. I was actually free. I have my life. I can do what I want with it. I had time off work. I had sympathy. Granted, it's not really nice when everybody's like, oh my God, was that you? 
Oh, we're so glad to hear you were alive. We figured he was going to shoot you too. When we heard you left him, we figured it was just a matter of time. My son actually told my friend, I did not know this. I knew my daughter had been afraid of him harming me and my son. I did not know my son thought the same way. My friend told me, did you know that Dominic thought he was going to kill all of you? Well, I went to Dominic and I said, were you afraid he was going to kill all of us? And he said, his words, I wasn't afraid. I just figured he was going to. <sighs> okay. Feel like a great mom now. <laughs> anyway, I did the best I could with what I knew. I had given my power away all those years, financially and in the relationship. Now, I'm not really going to help anybody to get out of a relationship. You can try, but women leave when they're ready. One thing that will help them is if they're financially empowered. And it's not just for those women. Financial empowerment matters to everybody, okay? Not just women either, but there are people who have to step up and take care of finances following a death of a loved one who took care of all of it or following a divorce. There's people who are in business who make lots of money, but they don't see it build up in their bank accounts and they're still shopping on the sales racks. There's people who have money, have tons of it, know exactly where it is, but they're miserable. Those are all people I help, all of them. In addition to being an accountant, an entrepreneur, a financial advisor, I've also been studying mindset and all things right-brained for about 15 years. So law of attraction, try law of allowing. All of these things are things that I help people with. And it's my natural gift because I am really good at making people feel better. And I have a lot of knowledge to share. And I'm good at teaching. This is why I do what I do. Now, the story does have more to it because I am in a wonderful place now. As I said, this is 2021 and I'm getting married next year. I don't have the ring on. Should have put it on for the video, but I don't have it on. 2016 in March, my daughter had been home for a visit and I went to visit my friend who is a hairdresser. This is the happy part of the story. She only works three days a week because she lives an hour away. So I'd always go into the shop and whoever she was working on or whatever would sit and chat. And this one night I went in in March and she was just cutting the hair of one guy. There was no one else in the shop. And I was like, oh, you have nice eyes. And he's, you too. And she goes, she's single. I was like, shut up. <laughs> I wasn't dating anyone. So he liked me and I could tell. He had an accounting problem. He'd gotten a letter from the government, um, CRA, Canada Revenue Agency, and he told me what it was. And I was like, ah, oh, I can fix that in 15 minutes. Here's my card. Just give me a call. You can come over and I'll just fix that. Well, he was thrilled he'd gotten my number. So he, he did. He came over and yeah, 15 minutes later, it was all taken care of. And then he was asking me questions about his accounting and different things. And Krista, my friend who had introduced us, was constantly like, oh, if you need help with something, call Craig. If you need help with that, call Craig. If you want to go for a walk, call Craig. She was just all the time, call Craig, call Craig. She'd known him for 20 years. She'd known me since grade eight. So <laughs> she knew we were a good match. I was having none of it. But eventually that summer, I actually was I had created a high school reunion 
but not just for my class, for everybody that ever went to high school with me. Because I figured, well, they were at school when I was. They were friends. They were people I knew. Let's invite all of them. Yeah. So I planned this huge reunion. I created a Facebook group. I It was so good because it gave me something to focus on. And my, my mind wasn't working uh, for work. I could teach somebody just fine. I could give you advice. As long as I was with someone, I was fine. But working on my own, I could not do. And that is because, like I said, I shouldered responsibilities by myself most of my life. Don't do it that way. Get someone to help you. Someone like me that is a coach who can help you through things like this. Or even just friends, family. There are people who will help you. But don't try and do it alone because you get burnt out. So anyway, um, part of what I, it was a three day reunion and I had made all these things. There was going to be a float and a dance. And I had created a, a Facebook group with over 800 people in it, which was phenomenal because this is a small town where I live. There's 17,000 people in this county. There's like 3000 in the town. So having 800 people in a reunion group is really successful. I ended up raising $900 for the band at the school. But uh, when I was doing that, one of the things I did is I made a model of our old school that was five feet by seven feet, and it was almost scale. Um, our school is gone. There's, it's been replaced with a different one. And Craig saw it, and he's, he's a carpenter. And he was working for a woman at the time, painting, who, and she's very particular. And he could tell that I was too. And he also was getting nowhere asking me out. So he was trying to figure out a way to be around me. So he offered me a job, painting houses. Well, I love painting. I think it's great because it's just so relaxing and you don't need your brain to work to do it. It's kind of like coaching somebody and helping somebody. And yes, your brain's involved, but it just comes so naturally to me that I don't have to think about it. So I said, yes. And then he would pick me up at 7.30 in the morning and bring me home at 5.30 at night every day of the week for all of August. And by September 1st, my friends had realized I liked him probably a week before I did. <laughs> he realized I liked him before I realized I did. I was not having anything to do with it. No, 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 no. But yes. I did. I fell for him. It hit me like a ton of bricks when I realized it. That was September 1st, 2016, and we have been together ever since. He is the sweetest guy. He notices if my mood changes, and he is just always there for me, supporting, and my biggest cheerleader, and just I know I can always count on him and my life is so wonderful. My kids and I are safe. My parents are safe. We're all just, life is good. I have prosperity. I have the life of my dreams. My new business online is getting going. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I, I, when people talk about retirement and stopping working, this isn't work. This is a joy to me. This is, this, is, this is my purpose. It's what I'm meant to do. I'm meant to get people clarity with the numbers, but also fix all the emotions 
beneath the surface that they have regarding their prosperity, their wealth, their abundance. And when I say prosperity, I always mean wealth and joy. So that's why I do what I do. That's me in a nutshell. I do appreciate you listening. If you stayed to the end, I would really appreciate if you would hit subscribe, um, both on the podcast version or the YouTube version. Um, this is going out on both. You can watch the videos or you can listen to it on your favorite podcast, wherever podcasts are available. It's prosperity and possibilities. Also, if you could hit the like button on YouTube or go leave a positive review on the podcast provider, uh, whether it's iTunes or wherever, those help me to reach more people. The more that they see the positive comments and the subscribes, the more they will share my show to other people. So yeah, and one last thing, I do read the comments and I would appreciate any positive feedback or requests for topics you would like covered or anything that you would like to tell me. But I will say, do not be nasty in the comments. If you haven't been listening, I've heard enough shit in my life. And I don't want to be around anybody that's nasty. And if you don't like what I'm saying and you don't like what I'm doing, you don't have to listen. Please don't. If you don't like it, just, just skip away and don't come back. But if you like it, please leave a comment. If you hit the subscribe button on YouTube, there's also a bell that will notify you when these come available, um, whenever a new post is made. If you don't hit the bell and you only subscribe, all it does is make it easier for you to find my future episodes. All right, thank you. And we will be starting interviews on future episodes. I'm bringing on some really interesting people and I will also be doing some shows by myself where I'll be sharing some really valuable information. So I hope you stick around and see you around.